Well, I want to welcome you today to the Hills Church at Home. Hey, so glad that you're a part, whether you're watching during a service time, catching up later, or listening uh, by our podcast on audio. So glad you're a part. But let me encourage you to do this, and I always think it's so important. Download our message notes. In fact, you can go to our website, Hills Church Arcadia. Dot org, especially since we've been uh, building on these end time messages and particularly last week where we looked at the judgment seat of Christ. In fact, I'm going to pick back up on that today and we'll look at a couple of those verses to set it back up, but I encourage you again, go back and listen to that, go over those scriptures. My title today, and we'll, we'll pick this verse up right at the end before we close, is Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. You know, the best kind of fight to be in is the fight that you win. So the Apostle Paul is going to talk about that, that you and I are in a fight, but we are going to fight the good fight. Well, let's get this going today. Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, and it says this. In fact, Jesus is going to say this. We need to be reminded of this, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and he will reward each according to his works the judgment seat of christ which we talked about last week is about the reward that is given out to the believer to the christian it's about rewards what have i done for him so let me pull just a couple scriptures to remind us what the Bible says, what the Bible teaches about this time, the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. And then I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10, just to kind of get us back into that thinking and setting this up. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation for everything is Jesus Christ. Now, he goes on and he begins to teach us about the judgment seat of Christ. So the Apostle Paul says, now, if anyone builds on this foundation, remember, we just read on the foundation of Jesus Christ with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of which sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 10 builds again on this as well. 
The Apostle Paul says, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So when we talked about the, la the last couple of weeks, this judgment seat of Christ, which will take place after the rapture of the church, which the Bible doesn't say the word rapture. The Bible uses the word the gathering together of the saints being caught up. The judgment seat of Christ is where we will individually appear before Jesus himself. All of our works that we've done in this lifetime will be piled up. And notice the descriptions, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, stubble. And there will be fire set to everything that we have done. The only thing that remains upon what remains is what we'll be rewarded with. And notice the Apostle Paul did not say that it also had to do with our salvation because as we accept Jesus as our personal Savior, the Bible says our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. We will be saved. Yet the question is, will we receive a reward? You know, there's a lot of things we're doing in life these days. A lot of years to our lives, but what things matter? In fact, we ended with that last week of things that in Jesus's ministry that he referred to as possibly those rewards. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 says this. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. You were washed. We're going to look at that today. You were washed. Uh, the term that sometimes we use, we were washed or we were forgiven because of the blood of Jesus that was spilled for us. But you were sanctified. We looked at that last week. Sanctification is not a perfection. We're being persistent upon building this godly life, right? We'll talk about today scrubbing that heart of ours every single day and you were justified. We'll look at that in another week. But I love those three words that the Apostle Paul pulls out. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. All of this taking place before you were ever born, all of this taking place before you ever made Jesus the Lord of your life, you were washed. Your sins were forgiven. You could then confess your sins before the Lord, and he would forgive you. You're being sanctified. You're being renewed. We're being renewed day by day. We're being justified by the righteousness of Jesus. And we also looked at this one verse, and I know I feel like we're, we're doing a recap, but I, I want to, again, set this up in our thinking. The Apostle Paul finishes that that marriage of husband and wife and Jesus and the church with this verse that he, talking about Jesus, might present her, this is the church, us, present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. 
and we talked about that there'll never be a time uh, where we're completely holy without blemish, but it will take place after the judgment seat of Christ, which I believe after that part, we are presented that glorious church without having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, what takes place then here on earth, in fact, we know this, there is a battle that takes place. It's a battle of sin, sin nature. And that's what I really want to talk about today, fighting that good fight. The spiritual life starts with your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But fellowship is experiencing Jesus Christ daily. I want you, let me say that again, because I believe that is so important. See, it has to do with relationship, and then we use the word fellowship, koinonia. The relationship that you have with our Father God through our Lord Jesus Christ, because you've made him Lord. But it doesn't stop there. Now goes this ongoing fellowship, this relate, this relationship taken to a new level in fellowship because of Jesus Christ. So the spiritual life starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but fellowship is experiencing Jesus every day. So the question I get all the time, in fact, I'm just going to put the reference up and you can look it up later. Who committed the first sin? You know, uh, Adam and Eve, it wasn't Adam and Eve. It was Lucifer, who we referred to, his name was Satan. In fact, you can read about him in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 17. Lucifer said that he was going to exalt himself above the Lord God, and he was going to establish his own kingdom. It became pride in his heart to ascend before God. I will be above God. Interesting when we read in Genesis chapter 11 that the Tower of Babel was all of mankind at that time were going to build a tower that was going to be into the heavens, right? Like almost like a challenge. So Satan himself was the first sin. And it was that pride to be over almighty God. Jesus referred to that in Luke chapter 10, verse eight. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He got his butt kicked out of heaven, excuse the language, thrown out for trying to exalt himself against God. But then he goes on and he does things which he does. He's deceptive. In fact, he's deceptive to Adam and Eve. And we read that verse in Genesis chapter three, verse six through seven is he tempts them over the fruit. He uses things like, um, did God indeed say that? Satan always wants you to question what God said. Always wants you to question what God said. But when Eve saw that the fruit was desirable, knew it would make one, one wise, they went ahead and ate. In fact, we call that according to the, what the Bible says, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride of life. It looked good. It was desirable, the thought of having our eyes open to being like God, and they fell in to that sin. The Bible teaches us that that sin now went down through mankind 
or what the Bible says was, there became in every person a nature of sin. The cutest, littlest born baby that might have been born even right now today has a sin nature. They haven't done anything wrong, but they were born into this broken world, but they have that opportunity as they get a little older to understand that Jesus is their Lord and to accept him. We're born with this sin nature. In fact, that's why it's so important that early on that young children experience and get to know Jesus and follow him and not get caught up in the tricks and the traps of the enemy. The apostle Paul says, you once were walking this way and then you had a turnaround and now you walk the other way. And so we, so we don't want to have to experience those things. We want to experience God. So God himself in Exodus chapter 20, he, uh, he gives on tablets the Ten Commandments to Moses, a way for people to follow him, and they don't do that. They war against it. In fact, we know that even when God institutes sacrifice, a blood sacrifice in the Old Testament, uh, lambs that would be slaughtered, uh, 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 seasonal time of going into the Holy of Holies, sprinkling blood on the altar as a covering. It was never a forgiveness. It was a covering for sin, but there had to be a sacrifice of sacrifice, not to cover sin, but that sin would be forgiven and people would be set free. And that's why the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10 says this, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls or goats could take away the sins. For by one offering, he, this is talking about Jesus, by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You know, in the one scripture that we have to remember, in fact, even as we build on this, in Malachi, we read this about the Lord. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, it's very powerful when we read in the Bible, especially when we read in Genesis. We read about, from Genesis chapter 1 through 3, this relationship with God saying, let us make man in our image. Think about it. Let us make man in our image. There's nothing cuter than to see a newborn baby and everybody lining up and they look at the baby and you know why they look at the baby? They want to see who does the baby look like? I think it has the nose of mom. No, no, no. I, I, well, maybe, but it's got dad's eyes. It's got grandpa's forehead, right? It's got grandma's chin. Look at the fingers. That looks just like Uncle Ray's finger. You know, we, we always come up. We want to know who they look like. You and I were created in the image of God. In fact, when we read that verse, God says, let us make them like men. The word us is the word we read Elohim, which we know is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. Very powerful, isn't it? Let us make man in our image. Well, we know that sin comes in, Sin didn't destroy the relationship between God and man. It completely destroyed the fellowship. In fact, the relationship he had, he knew 
We know this from the Bible. Before the foundations of the world, we knew the lamb would be slaughtered. God was bought in completely, even knowing that we would sin and we would blow it. He was already bought in to save this relationship. Boy, you know, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, he could have eliminated everything. But it's even after the fall that we read he still came in the garden of the cool, in the cool of the day. Which you know what that shows us? Is he was coming for fellowship with Adam and Eve, even when they blew it. And they didn't know how bad they blew it, but they knew they blew it because they knew they were exposed and naked and they sowed fig leaves. And when they heard the, the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, they hid themselves from him. They probably, uh, there was never a time where they hid themselves from the father, except for that time because of the shame that they felt. The relationship was intact, but the fellowship was destroyed there. And that sacrifice of the animals was to restore that fellowship, but it didn't restore it. It was a covering. There had to be one spotless, blameless, who had no sin, who would become the sacrifice of sacrifices, who would shed his blood for every sin, past, present, and future. In fact, let me read that again, Hebrews chapter 10. I hope you're getting this today. For it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You know, the Bible lets us know in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In that word all, that's you and me. We have all sinned. In fact, we're told that there are wages because of sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin. So what do you get paid for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. What did sin bring to earth? It brought death. All of a sudden, this body of Adam and Eve were created with, this body that would have lasted eternally as God had set it up, all of a sudden now it is going to die. Now it takes six, seven, eight hundred years, nine hundred years to do so eventually, but the wages of this sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, here's what I want to do, and hopefully you've printed out these notes. I want to start going through several of these scriptures because here's the question I get. When I appear before the judgment seat of Christ, if I have any sin in my life, am I going to be thrown out of judgment? In fact, I believe that as the Christian, the answer is no. But as the Christian, as a believer, we're to be examining ourselves every single day. I love what my supervisor, Dennis Easter, says. In fact, one of the things he says, I think about all the time, he says, when I lay my head down on my pillow to go to bed every night, I take a few minutes and I play out in my mind how my day went. What did I say? What did I do? And I make it a point before I go to sleep at night, I make sure I take care of anything that I did 
that was not right before the Lord. See, that's how we want to live. What did I do? What did I say that was not right before the Lord? You know, and, I, and I've learned this over the uh, amount of years now. And if I say the years right now, I'm going to mess it up of marriage. Do you know, I know uh, what to say that I can set my wife off. I mean, I know exactly what to say. I know the places even in our marriage that if I say or I do this, it's going to cause a reaction. In fact, we jokingly say this, that the, the biggest arguments or blowups that we've had in our life are over yard sales and over cleaning out our garage or getting rid of things. In fact, I told this story to somebody the other night. I remember when my son must have only been two or three years old that I needed to clear some stuff out of the garage. It was absolutely driving me nuts. It was things that we weren't using. It was in our way. No, you know, Nobody wanted to get rid of it. And I just decided I was going to get rid of it. So what I did is Michelle had uh, headed out for the day and I went and I picked up my father-in-law's truck and I had my son. He's probably three years old and strapped him in the seat. I loaded the truck up with all of this junk. We drove to the dump. We went up this hill, drove to the dump, dumped everything out, came back, switched out cars, got the truck back, got the kid home and played like nothing had happened. Everything was fine. I wasn't going to say a word, right? She's not even going to notice nothing's missing. And so we're having dinner and um, I'll never forget her saying, okay, Maverick, so what did you and dad do today? And, you know, so Maverick, you know, being so little, not really able to communicate, say a lot of words. He kept saying, mommy, the big trucks, beep, 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 beep. What? You saw big trucks? Yeah, mommy, big trucks. Beep, beep, beep. Well, where did you see the big trucks? On the big hill, mommy. The big hill with the big trucks, beep, beep, trash trucks. Oh, the minute he said that, she looked at me and she said, where did you guys go? Well, I, I couldn't lie, right? I had to fess up. We went to the dump. We took stuff. Oh, that set into motion, right? Just an irritating. Here, here the kid is. The kid turns me in with his beep, beep, beeps. Well, one of the things we're not to do is provoke people. And so that discipline of thinking about our day, confessing to the Lord, have I done anything wrong? And do I need to go and talk to somebody to make things right is so powerful. In fact, notice even some of these verses I'm reading, this is some Old Testament where um, sin was covered, not right, not forgiven, but listen to what David writes, Psalm 103, 10 through 12. God has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Think about that. When you confess your sin, he casts it as far as the east is from the west. Never to remember it anymore. Micah chapter 7 verse 19 is where we hear this one verse. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. I love that bit. Cast it as far as the east is from the west to the deepest sea. When we ask for forgiveness, 
God forgets, casts it aside down to the deepest sea, does not remember it, not based on our works, but based on the blood of Jesus Christ that forgave our sins. That's why the apostle Paul comes in with Romans chapter eight, verse one. There's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, who do, notice what it says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Think about that. There's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I'm not to live in fear that Jesus comes back and I don't have any everything in line and confess sin. I don't have condemnation because of Jesus, but I don't walk that way. I'm walking a different direction. I'm making sure that my heart is scrubbed, that my mouth is scrubbed, that what I look at is scrubbed. I'm making sure that I'm, I'm walking in the strength that he gives me. We're reminded in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for he made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Notice it's always connected to him. He made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God through him. Isn't that a powerful verse? Jesus, who knew no sin, never committed a sin. In fact, there's a powerful description even that, that's recorded about Jesus when he goes to Pilate. In, we read that in Matthew and Luke. And Pilate doesn't know what to do with him. Pilate says, so are you, are you this king of the Jews? And, and all Jesus says, he says, it is as you say. In fact, Pilate doesn't want to have anything to do with him. Pilate's wife has a dream not to do anything with him. Pilate becomes buddy-buddies with Herod. Pilate can't find any accusation, but Pilate marveled at Jesus because when every accusation was thrown against him by the people, by the religious leaders, Jesus spoke not a word and Pilate marveled. Why do you think he marveled? Because probably every other person that was brought up on accusations had excuses, had excuses. Jesus said not a word. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. In fact, I can make it personal. He became a curse for Walter. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for for us. Peter picks this up in 1 Peter 2.24, who himself, again, talking about Jesus, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. We, having died to sins. Now, it's important to say this. When the Christian, when the believer sins, remember we talked about relationship and fellowship. The relationship is not destroyed with God our Father. 
It's the fellowship that has issue. In fact, think about it. The spiritual life starts with the personal relationship with Jesus, but fellowship is experiencing Jesus every day. The closeness in any relationship is with the ongoing fellowship. So the relationship with God when we sin is not affected. What is affected is the fellowship that we have because of when we sin. We, we were designed originally to always be in relationship and fellowship. But when we take the step and get out of fellowship with God, that's when we have to identify our error and come back to him to confess that sin. That's what's so important. In fact, 1 John 1, 8, here's what John says. If we say we have no sin, one, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Think about that. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves for the truth is not us. He goes on to say, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That relationship is never destroyed because of Jesus. It's that fellowship that we've got to come back and confess that sin, get back in right standing. In fact, we're told in the book of Hebrews to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, let me say this. If you're constantly struggling with sin and it's constantly a battle, one of the things you have to remember is God sees you as being set free. It is a battle. In fact, that's what we started. It is a fight of fight, whether it's addictions, whether it's other struggles, whether it's mental, you've got to do whatever you can do to get rid of that life. But here's the thing we talked about even the last week. You will never be perfected here on earth. We will always be in a battle here on earth. But the thing is, we, we know who to turn to for strength and help. We know who to look to in the scripture for strength and help. And we know this, he became a curse for you. We just read that a, a minute ago in uh, the book of Peter. He bore that sin on his body so that by his stripes, you were healed. You know, we always think of healing for people as something physical, but it's also that bit of sin made us sick and you need healing and forgiveness. That's why I want to end with this last few verses here out of 1 Timothy. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy. But you, O man of God, in fact, let me say that today. You, O man of God, you, O woman of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. And here's what I believe you need to hear today. Fight the good fight of faith. Best fight of your day is the fight you win. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Jesus Christ 
who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing, which he will manifest in his own time, he who is the blessed and only pontinent, that means sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power forever. Let me read those first two verses again. But you, O man of God or woman of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Every single day, I pray that you are coming before your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that you're coming before him openly and that you're actively praying, Lord, is, is there been anything in my life? I like what the Apostle Paul says. In fact, he says it to do before, before a time of communion, a time of fellowship with the Lord. He says, judge yourself. Examine yourself so that you won't be judged. Examine yourself. Did I say anything today that I shouldn't have said? Did I look upon anything that I shouldn't have looked upon? Did I hear something that I shouldn't have heard? You know, a lot of times our, our hearing, then we say something. Is there something in my heart? Is something amiss that I've got to scrub this heart? And I come before him and I confess my sin. And he is faithful and just to forgive my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And the psalmist says he cast that sin as far as the east is from the west, never to remember it anymore. It's as deep as the deepest sea. Why? Because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that his blood was shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Don't ever leave a day without examining your fellowship with him. We're all going to miss it. We're all going to make missteps. We're all going to say something, think something, see something, but that's where we come back to him and we flee those things. I will never be perfect here on earth, but I'm always striving to be in fellowship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, even in these days, because as we read, he will appear. And I want to make sure that I'm doing everything right because I will be rewarded for the things that I've done with him here on earth. So if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, that's what we've kind of been talking about today. So important. In fact, we get this prayer out of Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and if you would believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. We read in the gospel, it's called the new birth, being born again. Instantly, you'll be brought from darkness to light. Instantly, you'll have relationship and fellowship with your father. You're starting that day of being sanctified in a life. You'll have the Holy Spirit now on the inside of you to direct you. In fact, that's what I love the bit. The Holy Spirit checks us when we've gone off, right? It's almost like lane departure nowadays in cars. You get over to that too far, it goes beep, 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 right? Sounds like my son at the dump with the trucks. But would you pray this prayer with me? Dear God, 
I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I begin my relationship with you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I pray if you prayed that for the first time, go back through these verses that we read, download these notes, go over these. But would you reach out to us? Would you take a minute like many people do each and every week? Reach out to us, whether by email, by our website, by the social media platform that you're watching. Make a connection that Jesus is your Lord. You'll be amazed at all of the things that God is wanting to set up and do in your life just because you got the fellowship part right. And all of this entire life was so that you and he would be in a connection, a deep relationship every single day together. And you and I are fighting today the good fight of faith. Well, today, as we receive our tithes and offerings, I want to read this one verse. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. If you're believing God for a breakthrough, a miracle, a promotion, um, him to open up a new job opportunity, as in our giving today, let's pray. But let's remember this verse. Watch, stand fast in the faith today. Be brave. Be strong, right? Fight that good fight of faith. We'll pray this along with me. As I give in today's offering, I have vision to see beyond my present circumstances, beyond my present problems, and beyond my needs and desires. By faith, I see God working on my behalf to open doors that have been shut, I give today with great expectation for my God to do the impossible in Jesus' name, amen. I pray today whatever doors have been shut, today they become open over your life. As always, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can give online. It's safe, fast, and secure. If you would prefer, you can give by mail. You can write to us. The Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. And we so appreciate you when you email in or you call in or you message us for your prayers or things that's got to do. We want to pray and agree with you in these days because God is up to something. Stay in fellowship with him. Fight the good fight of faith. Resist the devil and he'll flee. He'll try to tempt you to sin. That's what he does. But resist him and he will flee. We are praying for you. You are more than a conqueror. You can fight the good fight of faith. You can be brave and you can be strong because Jesus is your Lord today. The Lord bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week. And we'll connect with you soon.